Congratulations. All right. Hope that was encouraging for you. I know it was for me when I watched this this week. The theme we're leaning into, even in our series for the next few weeks, is abide. Theme is abide. Now we get this language. Some of the translations in John 15 say remain, abide, or remain. And we get, this, we get this picture, Jesus gives us this picture in John 15 of the vine and branches. So abiding is like branches attaching to a vine and getting its sustenance in life. That's the picture we get. And so I want to help my, my encouragement for us is that before we can really remain or abide, we got to know who or what we're remaining and abiding in. So let's look uh, this morning at John chapter 1. As you're at home, you're getting your Bibles and you're turning to John chapter 1. We're going to be in the Gospel of John this month. So if you want to dig deeper into the Scripture, you want to read through the Bible with us this month, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. I encourage you to do that. John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 and 9 through 18. Let's read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Uh, if, if we were saying this at my house, ain't, ain't nothing made that he didn't make, right? He made it all. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. One, another translation possible there is, the darkness has not understood it. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace or grace in the place of grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The title of the message this morning is The Word Became Flesh. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. What do we believe about Jesus? It is not only important that we believe in Jesus. We should. 
believe in Jesus. But what Jesus do we believe in? We must understand Him before we believe in Him. Many times we come to Scripture and even in settings like this or listen to podcasts and messages and we come with, because we need information. We, what do we do with our lives or what do we do in this situation or what do we do with the mess going on inside of us? We come needing something from God. And, and I've, I've done that, we've all done that and that's important. We need to know what God wants us to do. But maybe more importantly on what we need to do is who is the God we're praying to? Who is the God we're asking for advice? Our own uh, Devon Patterson, who's the the campus director of our campus ministry, he quoted this a few few weeks back from A.W. Tozer in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. And and A.W. Tozer said this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that. Why is that so important? Because what we believe about God and therefore what we believe about Jesus Determines how we relate to God. It determines how we relate to each other, how we relate to the world, how we relate to ourselves. This um, truth comes to mind in in a a children's movie, if you've ever seen it, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Not so much the book, but the movie in this case. Um, The kids, the children, are sent out of London because it's being bombed during the war to the professor's house. Miss McCready meets them and she's kind of a gruff individual and she brings them into the home and they're in the home and they're running around and, and how she describes the professor and, and talks about him. The children know that he must be a good man. He's welcomed them into his large estate and they're there, but they spend most of the movie avoiding him because of what maybe they think about him. But when they interact with him, when they meet the professor, you see this wise, gentle man who actually helps them navigate Narnia, helps them navigate their personal issues. He brings wisdom. He brings joy and life. And and I'm just reminded at my own walk with God, like, I know God's good. He's let me into his house. But I spend most of my time avoiding him. But when I interact with him, man, I'm glad I did. And so my encouragement for us this morning is that we would experience God. We would see Jesus for who he is so we would spend less time running from him, less time avoiding him, and more time pursuing him. That might be an old example for you, so you maybe don't watch children's movies, but I watched a a recent movie over the break, or actually this weekend, Dune, the new movie Dune, and Zendaya represents uh, this kind of um, desert people. And she's looking at this guy named Paul, who's the, the son of a duke. And, and there's some, kind of some prophecies going around that maybe he's something special. And she looks at him with skepticism and, and basically talks to him. And I don't, I'm not going to ruin the movie for you, but there comes a moment in the movie that he begins to operate in a way to affirm those prophecies, maybe just a little And you see the way she looks at him changes. 
And that's my prayer for us, is that we would experience and see Jesus in a light maybe we haven't seen him before, and the way we look at him changes. May that be our prayer this morning. In fact, I'm going to pray that, just pause right now as we enter into this sermon a little bit deeper. Father, help us experience you this year. It helps us look at you a little differently. Spending less time running from you and more time seeing you. In Jesus' name, amen. We see here in John chapter 1 that the, the, God, the, the Apostle John is, is drawing this parallel between John 1 and Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and, and then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then we see in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the, the, the communication, the very divine utterance of God. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And John is making this claim. He, he actually is the only gospel that even comes close to in, starting this way. Most of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, start with, with the birth of Jesus. Maybe prophecies. Maybe the story about Mary. Mark is real brief in his, right? He was born, you know. And he connects him to a prophecy in Isaiah. But John says, no, the Word became flesh. This, this God that, that walked among us, this Jesus, was the God who created everything. If you walk through the Genesis account, he spoke and it was. He spoke and it was. In fact, the first thing he spoke was light. Light came into the world. You see this right here. John said, man, in him was life and that life was the light of men. And it broke into the darkness. That's, that's creation. And John's saying, man, just like God created, he, Jesus came into the world to bring life and creation. He is the creator of all things. Not everyone, though, saw the light. Not everyone understood it. It says some didn't understand it and then others didn't receive it. The darkness did not overcome it or did not understand it. Uh, there was an old um, reality show a few years back called Undercover Boss. I don't know if you remember that, but the boss would put on a disguise and act like he flipped burgers and he was a new employee and he would come in and he'd interact with the employees and he was there um, to kind of see how his company, his organization was really being run. See, here's the thing about Jesus, though, is that when he put on this disguise and lived among us, he wasn't there to catch us. He already knew. He was there to reveal himself to us. As much as this passage reveals the nature of the human heart to misunderstand God, it reveals even more about the nature of who God is. What does this reveal about God? Number one, the creator of all things desires to be near. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw him in his glory. He came close enough that we were able to see his glory. He lived the life that we were supposed to live 
What kind of life was this? A life that reflected God's glory in a powerful way. Athanasius, the early church father around the 300, said this of Jesus' incarnation. He said, Even so was it with the all-holy Son of God. He, the image of the Father, came and dwelt in our midst in order that he might renew mankind made after himself and seek out his lost sheep, even as he says in the gospel, I came to seek and save that which was lost. From early on, we knew that God was the God of creation, that Jesus was the creator of all things, and he wanted to come near. The word he became near or he dwelt among us in the Greek means he pitched his tent among us. He pitched his tent. He, he one uh, kind of uh, everyday language translation said, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Jesus showed up and lived among us. He pitched his tent. He wanted to be near us. And, and the picture here is Exodus 40. It's Israel coming out of Egypt, out of bondage, and, and Moses creating a tabernacle, a tent of meeting. He pitched his tent among us where we could meet with God, where Moses saw God face to face, where the presence of God lived in the midst of the people and provided protection from the elements. It, it gave direction. It gave insight. It gave healing when the serpents came. The presence of God came and dwelt among us, and this is Jesus among us, revealing himself, coming near to us, protecting us, guiding us, and we march through the books of the Bible and find in Revelation 21, verse 3, it says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they came, and they, came, and they shall be his people, and he himself shall be among them. God's desire is to be near you. It's interesting that we approach God differently when we know he wants to be near you. He doesn't want to be far off. He wants to be near you. This God who beckons us to abide in Him wants us to know this about Himself. He will come near you. That changes how we approach. That changes how we sing. That changes how we strive. Because He wants to be near us. He wants to pitch His tent among you. He wants to put his presence in your life. If we're familiar with the Old Testament and the people of Israel and the tent of meeting, it was right in the middle, not just of one person's life, but the community of faith. It was right in the middle. He wants to be near us. The second thing we see about this creator God, this creator of all things, is he desires to be known. No one has ever seen God, John 1.18. <clears throat> The only begotten God who is, the, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him or he has made him known. We know this desire. I, I remember, we, we know what this is like. We, we feel this, I don't know if you've ever done like a personality assessment or a, a strengths assessment that really pegged you. You almost felt like, yeah, I'm known. I remember when these assessments would come in to kind of communities, even in this church, maybe years back, we went through strength finders and everyone kind of went through strength finders and we would talk about our strengths and we want to talk about them because 
In talking about them, we become known to each other. Oh, I kind of know you better now. And that felt good to us. I remember as a non, in ninth grade, I was in a church and, and the pastor prophesied over me and began to, to speak over me things that no one else would know. And it resonated with me. I walked out there with questions. I walked out of there confused. But this is what I did know. God knew me. And then I, that encouraged me. That felt good. We know that desire to be known. And Charles Taylor, he's a, Canadian philosopher and, and writer, he, he, in his book, A Secular Age, he talks about this age of authenticity that, that the greatest sin of the culture right now is, is to not be yourself. Right? If you're not yourself, if you don't, um, the culture says if you don't, if you let others constrain who you are, then you can't truly be happy. You can't truly, and that's the greatest sin. You've got to unleash who you are. Let the world would know you. And in connection with that, the greatest sin then, sin towards each other, is that we would prejudge each other. That's where we get that phrase, you don't know me. You don't know me, you can't judge me. So we know this desire. In fact, I remember, I was kind of thinking about my college experience this week, and I, I felt that. I didn't want to be judged if you knew me coming out of high school, I looked like a kid who fell out of a white youth group, right? Had the t-shirt on. Like, I just, I didn't want to be prejudged. I wanted to meet people and people know me for who I was. So myself, Beatty, some of our friends, Shane, John, we all grew our hair out. Now, I don't know why they grew their hair out. Maybe they were trying to look better or something. I grew my hair out so that people wouldn't peg me from a distance, Oh, I know who that guy is. I know how he votes. I know what he looks like. I know what he thinks about. I know what he does with his life. I see him with his cargo shorts on and his T-shirt. Right? I know him. I wanted to meet people and be known for who I was, not who they thought I was. Now, we know this desire with this feeling. And yet, perhaps, the most misunderstood, the most prejudged individual in all of human history, is God himself. We don't want to be prejudged, and yet we prejudge God. We want to be known for who we are, and yet we've dismissed God as if we know who he is. The one who created the bumblebee, the one who created the dolphin, the one who created the intricacies of the human psyche, and you know him? All there is to know about him? Man, we've prejudged God and we've written him off. We've committed our greatest sin. Maybe there's more to God than we realize. He is the image of the invisible God, Colossians 1.15 says about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. It's interesting in John, the, the Gospel of John chapter, I think it's 14, it says this, verse 8 and 9, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I just hear the emotion in here. Philip looks at Jesus, he's like, man, just, 
Show us the Father and that'll be enough. And Jesus is like, man, haven't I been with you? Don't you see me and know me? Why would you ask, show us the Father? I am the, the image of the invisible God. If we see Jesus, we see the Father. If you want to know how God will deal with our sin, look to Jesus. If you want to know how God will deal with those who are broken and down and out, look at Jesus. He is making himself known. He desires to. He is life and that light walked among men. If we are going to abide in Jesus this year, we must know this. He wants to be known by us. He doesn't just want to be near us because you can be near someone and not know them. He wants to be near you and he wants to be known by you. It's powerful. Not analytically, existentially, experientially. God wants to know us. And God wants us to know him. Finally, the creator of all things desires this to be received by us. John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to, the, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. God reveals himself through Jesus, not so that we can simply have more knowledge, but rather that we can receive him. How will we respond? Will we reject Jesus like many others did in his day? The creator of all things desires to be received. Why? Why does God want to be received? Is God an insecure middle school boyfriend? He just wants to be received. Why does he want to be received? Why is it so important that he be received by us? Because in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Because we abide in darkness and Jesus wants to bring us his life. Why must we receive him? Why does he want to be received by us? Because we are in darkness. Maybe you are Put faith in Christ today. Maybe you're born again. You know God personally, but there are areas of your light that are in darkness, life, and God wants to bring his light into them. That's why it says in the word that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We have been in darkness. We probably have a little bit of darkness still left in us, and there is darkness before us, but if we walk with Jesus, he is the light of the world. He wants to be received by us not for his sake, but for ours. Why does he want to be received by us? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth, or, or grace in the place of grace. See, the grace of God revealed the law, but now there's a greater grace coming, and that grace is grace and truth. Grace and truth.
There's a, a trend in this culture that I'm optimistic about and encouraged about. And that's this trend and call for justice. Justice is important, that, that rights be wronged. I can remember many a time on the college campus when I was a college student speaking about the justice of God and it really missing the heart of many people and the mind of many people. We understood mercy and grace, but we didn't understand justice. But now there's a revival of that, right? We want to see right things made wrong. I'm sorry, wrong things made right. We want to see God right wrong things. We want to see society right wrong things. There's this, this call for justice. You know what? Justice is uh, an attribute of God himself. It's good. But here's the thing about all sweeping justice is it comes for us as well. The justice of God will come for you. Our cry for justice is all great and good for someone else, but when it, what happens when it calls for us? The justice of God, the truth of God, where we've really wronged, where we've really sinned against God and others. Do we want justice for that? Not typically. We want grace. We want Mercy. Just as I said a couple weeks ago, my kids saying, Dad, can I have that mercy you were talking about? So here's what's beautiful about Jesus is that in Jesus, we have the truth that justice must be served because God is a just God. But instead of you serving that justice, God served it on himself and his son Jesus. That's the truth and the grace of God coming into a line. Grace and truth, that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Why is it important that we receive Jesus? Why does he desire that? So that justice could be served on himself instead of you. Why is it important that we receive Jesus? Because we are without family, without father and mother, without an eternal home. That's why it says if you believe in his name, you have the right to become children of God. Adoption. We have this feeling that we are not home. But in Christ, if we'll put faith in him and if we'll believe in him, we are adopted into the family of God. It's important that you receive Jesus, not for his sake, but for yours. In him was life. He didn't need anything. He had all of life, all of love, all the glory. And he invited us into that through his son, Jesus. And if we'll put faith in him, we can become children of God. That's what it says. Receive him. Believe in his name. Trust Trust that he is good and that he died for your sins and that he is a loving father that will still walk with you forever. What have I said this morning? The word became flesh. It's important for us to know who Jesus is, the word, the uncreated, the, the son of God. We must know him if we're going to abide in him. And who is this Jesus? Well, he's the creator of all things who wants to be near you. He's the creator of all things that desires 
to be known by you. And he's the creator of all things whose desires to be received by you, not for his sake, but for yours. Have you done that this morning? Have you put faith, belief, trust in Jesus? That he loves you and that he was willing to die and suffer for you in your place? Do you understand the justice and the truth of God that you deserve death and eternity apart from God? Justice doesn't come for some, it comes for all. But there is a way into that justice that doesn't lead away from God but lives closer to Him. That's in Jesus and trust in Him and faith in Him. Maybe you need to renew your passion and seek God this morning. Maybe it's not just, man, I know, Blake, I've put faith in Christ. Jesus really did change my life, but my heart is cold. I spend more time in God's house avoiding Him than finding Him. These truths that God is near you and wants to be near you, wants to be known by you, wants to be received by you, is filling you with faith this morning to approach Him again with freedom and confidence. That's my prayer. Let's pray as we close this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray by the Holy Spirit that you would visit each person within the sound of my voice in their homes and in this room. Holy Spirit, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice who does not know you, who is not right with God, who if they stepped out of this world into the world to come, they're not sure they're right with you. They're not sure they're their end destination. Lord, I pray that you would touch their heart this morning. Bring that reality to their mind. If that's you this morning and you're not sure you're right with God and you want to be sure this morning, you want to submit your life and trust in the God who created you and loves you, that died for your sins, I want you to pray this prayer with me. King Jesus, I surrender to you. I trust in you. I put my hope and my trust in you today, Jesus. I'm stopped running. Forgive me from running from you. Forgive me for, for being in charge of my own life, for, for ignoring you and neglecting you, for my pride, for the pain I've caused others, for the pain I've inflicted on my own self. I'm willing this morning to follow you with my whole life. My whole life, God. I give it to you today. I hold nothing back. 
come be the Lord of my life this morning. Some of you have been avoiding God this morning. This this topic that God wants to know me, God wants to be near me, God wants to be received by me, is stirring your faith and you want to renew a commitment, renew a passion. Here's the biblical word, repent. Change your mind. Turn around. Instead of running from Him, turn to Him. If that's you this morning, I want you right where you are to pray this prayer. Father, forgive me for running, for believing the bad press about you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the person of Jesus who opens my eyes to who you really are. God, I pray that you would help me dig into your Bible like never before. Forgive me for neglecting your word. Lord, I pray for a deep hunger right now for the word of God to stir in me, to know the God who who is near. Lord, I thank you for every ear and every heart listening this morning. I pray that you would draw near to them in a tangible way. Lord, that this series abide would cause us to lean into the presence of God. That we wouldn't be satisfied with life and entertainment and just doing and going through. We want God. We want the presence of God. We want the face of God. We want the power of God. What else will distinguish us from the world if we don't have God in His presence? Stir within us, Lord. Forgive us for being satisfied with the meat from Egypt. We want the presence of God. We want the promised land you've promised us, Lord. We want to be a people filled with the presence and the Spirit of God where people run to get healed of their diseases, to get healed of their pain, to find hope and life. Father, fill this house. Fill every home, every apartment, every car. Let them know you're near and you want more. There's more to you, Father, than they yet know. There's more, God. There's more of God that you've yet to see and experience. Father, help us. We need you. We want you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.